Welcome to the Ship Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, December 2nd. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. So we can debate whether the Fed is starting to pivot on its inflation fight or not, but there's no question that the markets think it is. Jerome Powell delivered a speech at the Brookings Institute on Wednesday. It was a nice song and dance with a soft pivot and a little do-si-do thrown in for effect. Like the last Fed meeting, there was a bit of mixed messaging in this speech. It was simultaneously more dovish with a lot of hawkish spin. The markets bought the pivot. They bought the dovishness. They ignored the hawkishness. Now, In a lot of ways, what Powell said really isn't a lot different than what he said after the last FOMC meeting. But as with all things Fed, you really have to try to read between the lines to figure out what's really going on. You know, there's a lot of rhetoric, there's a lot of spin, there's a lot of jawboning. But it seems pretty clear when you look at the minutes from the last meeting and all of the talk that's come from other Fed members, Jay Powell notwithstanding, the central bank does seem to be getting queasy about fighting inflation. Here's what is clear. They are done with the 75 basis point hikes. In his speech, Powell said it is time to moderate the pace of rate hikes. Quote, it makes sense to moderate the pace of our rate increases as we approach the level of restraint that will be sufficient to bring inflation down. The time for moderating the pace of rate increases may come as soon as the December meeting. Hint, hint, hint. This was widely construed to signal that the central bank would only raise rates by 50 basis points instead of 75 at the next meeting. Now, really, in the big scheme of things, another half a percent hike is still a significant bump up in rates. You know, the Fed likes to talk about the terminal rate. That means the peak of the hiking cycle, the the rate they need to get to to slay inflation. But I think they passed the terminal rate about two meetings ago. And by terminal rate, I mean terminal for the U.S. economy. The bottom line here, and this is what the markets are focused on, is Powell has given an indication that the Fed is ready to slow its roll on the inflation fight. It's ready to ease off of the accelerator when it comes to rate hikes. And boy, howdy, the markets like this. Now, Powell also channeled messaging from the November FOMC meeting that left some wiggle room for a slowdown in hiking or even a pause with language about monetary policy lags and cumulative effects. The full effects of our rapid tightening so far are yet to be felt. Powell said in his speech. In other words, the economy hasn't crashed as badly as it's going to yet. I'm just interpreting there for you. He went on, he said, cutting rates is not something we want to do too soon. So that's why we're slowing down. Now, the Fed chair tempered talk about moderating the pace of rate hikes in his familiar hawkish rhetoric. He doesn't want you to think that they've given up on fighting inflation. You can't think that. That's not good for you know their uh, credibility. They, they have to make you think that they're all in, all hands on deck, fighting inflation. So Powell said that rates will likely go higher than originally anticipated and stay elevated for longer. 
Quote, the timing of that moderation is far less significant than the questions of how much further we need to raise rates to control inflation and the length of time it will be necessary to hold policy at a restrictive level. It is likely that restoring price stability will require holding policy at a restrictive level for some time. That's the part that the markets completely ignored. Now, Powell emphasized that history cautions strongly against prematurely loosening policy, and he insisted, we will stay the course until the job is done. Now, let me point something out here that I've mentioned before, but it bears repeating. If you read what Powell said closely, or listen closely, it's clear that the Fed has no idea what it's doing. You know, we like to think of these central bankers as scientists. They're policy experts who are executing a carefully considered and laid out plan based on their in-depth knowledge of monetary policy and the inner workings of the economy. The fact is, they're throwing poo at the wall and seeing what sticks. They don't know what the right interest rate is. They don't know how high they need to raise rates to bring prices down. If you ask what the terminal rate actually is, They'll him and haw, but they can't give you an answer because they don't know. I mean, these are the same people who told you for months that inflation is transitory. It's clear that this is a wing and a prayer monetary policy. They don't know what they're doing. These people have the same problem that confronts every central planner. Economist F.A. Hayek called it the knowledge problem. In his paper, The Use of Knowledge in Society, Hayek concluded that central planning will always fail because it's impossible for central planners to possess all of the information necessary to factor in all of the ramifications of any given policy. Think about it. Knowledge is dispersed throughout society, right? No single person knows everything. Even if you're in a specific field, you don't know everything about that field, much less all of the information that's out there. Think about the infinite amount of knowledge that exists. No person knows all of that stuff. So from an economic standpoint, Hayek argues that efficiently allocating all of the scarce resources in a society requires knowledge that is locked in the heads of many, many, many people. No individual or group of experts, and this includes Jay Powell, Janet Yellen, Ben Bernanke, Alan Greenspan, Paul Krugman, the whole lot of them. None of these people is capable of acquiring all of this knowledge. And it's clear with the Fed people, right? These experts can't even guess at the quote-unquote right interest rate. Look at their track record. I mean, they've been wrong about everything when it comes to inflation, right? We went to, oh, there's no inflation. Inflation's not a thing. To, yeah, we might have a little bit of inflation. And then, oh, inflation is transitory. And and, and now we're going to fight inflation. None of this has been right. Why in the hell do we expect them to successfully run our money? Read Hayek's paper. It, he, he makes the case why central planning will always fail. It's true in the economy. It's true with the, with the climate. It's true with foreign policy. All of these central planners are doomed to failure because they don't know what they don't know. But here we are. Anyway, 
Powell said his thing, and the markets quickly responded. They were buoyed by the prospect of a rate hike slowdown. But they basically ignored Powell's attempt to spin it as hawkish. They didn't listen to all that stuff about how we're going to keep rates high for a long time. No. It's clear investors think the Fed is about finished tightening, regardless of what Powell says. And after the speech, the dollar tanked, stocks rallied, gold and silver rallied, the Dow closed up over 700 points, the NASDAQ rose over 484 points. It was a, well over a 4% increase for the NASDAQ because you know the NASDAQ, the tech stocks, the more speculative uh, investments, they love easy money. So it's clear that the markets think the easy money's coming back. Yesterday, gold pushed above $1,800 an ounce. The last time we were at $1,800 was back in August. Now, we'll see if we can hold that level as we get the uh, employment report today. Um, but as I was prepping the podcast, gold was right below $1,800 at about $1,799, $1,798. Uh, silver, of course, also rallied. It's uh, around $2,265 an ounce. I mentioned the dollar. The dollar index dropped below a key support level uh, of 105. And, you know, the dollar's been on a pretty steady downward trajectory since the last Fed meeting. So, again, the markets are anticipating that this tightening is close to being over. Uh, it's the, the dollar is showing that weakness. And if that is, in fact, what's happening, I think you can expect gold to continue to push its way upward. The biggest headwind for the yellow metal has been the strong dollar. That has drugged down the paper gold market. Your mainstream investors who are looking at just interest rate hikes and you know the, the dollar, they have been getting out of gold because they're saying, oh, the Fed's tightening. They're going to kill inflation. We don't need an inflation hedge. But keep in mind, the demand for physical gold has been robust. According to the World Gold Council, gold bar and gold coin investment were up 36% in the third quarter. Total, de total demand for the quarter came in at 351 tons. That's investment demand. It was the strongest Q3 in the physical gold market since 2011. So there's a lot of people out there that understood that the Fed wasn't going to follow through on this inflation fight, that inflation is here to stay. And I think in the next several months, that's going to become clear to pretty much everybody. And I think the markets are already kind of anticipating that. They're looking for this return to easy money, which is inflationary, right? Now, it's important to remember that what Powell and the other Fed members say isn't what's really important. It's what they do and what they've done. And if you really look at it, they haven't done all that much. Yes, rates are higher than they've been since 2008. But in the big scheme of things, they're still not that high, especially given the fact that the CPI is close to 8%. I mean, monetary policy is still accommodative, not tight. And given that the CPI understates rising prices, monetary policy is still very accommodative. A more honest CPI is probably closer to around 16%, maybe higher than that. In fact, the Farm Bureau does an annual estimate of your Thanksgiving meal. And this year's feast cost 20% more than last year's, which was 14% more than 2020. So as far as you know, food goes, as far as your Thanksgiving goes, your CPI is 
closer to 20% uh, than it is to 8 And, you know, meanwhile, balance sheet reduction, that's not going so well either, speaking of what the Fed is actually doing. I mentioned this briefly in the show last week, and I, uh, I put this article in the show notes page. I'll put it in the show notes page again this week. The Fed has only hit the target from the plan it announced to shrink its balance sheet one time since last May. In other words, the Fed isn't shrinking its balance sheet as fast as it said it was going to when it announced its plan last May. And as I've mentioned before, that plan wasn't exactly awe-inspiring to begin with. Given the rate of balance sheet reduction that they announced back in May, it would take over seven years just to get the balance sheet back to pre-pandemic levels. Seven years! This is not great tightening. This is not, you know, aggressive monetary policy. It's it's a trickle of monetary policy tightening, and they're not even going based on that plan at this point. Nevertheless, since the Fed stopped buying treasuries and started letting bonds fall off of its book as, as they mature, the bond market has experienced increasing volatility and liquidity problems. In fact, there is already talk about the possibility of the central bank abandoning quantitative tightening. One bond analyst told Reuters that the volatility could force the Fed to pivot back to quantitative easing. Quote, it is certainly conceivable that if bond volatility continues to rise, we could see a repeat of March 2020. The Fed will be forced to end its QT and buy a large amount of Treasury securities. Now, if they continue pushing interest rates up, there's no question that the volatility and liquidity problems in the bond market are going to continue. So, Basically, what they're telling you is that we're right on our way back to quantitative easing. USB economists said the Fed may be forced to end QT by the middle of 2023. So this is not good news for those expecting the Fed to win the inflation fight. Going back to QE literally means a return to inflation. And that's what the markets are thinking. That's what they're hoping for. Because you see, this entire economy is addicted to easy money. The entire economy is built on low interest rates and money creation. It cannot survive without it. It needs its drug. And the issues in the bond market reveal the ugly underlying truth. Without the easy money, something is going to break. Now, I don't know what that is. I mean, maybe it will be in the bond market, or maybe it'll be in the banking system, or maybe it'll be like Britain in the pension system. Maybe it'll be the stock market. Maybe it'll be something we haven't even thought of. But we're seeing little tremors all over the place. Look at the housing market. Investor money is fleeing from the housing market. I wrote an article about this last week. I'll link to it in the show notes page. So that's a problem. You know, we're seeing all kinds of layoffs in the tech sector. That's a problem. Manufacturing production is way down. That's a problem. Consumer confidence is dropping. That's a problem. I don't know what's going to break, but I am convinced that something in the economy is going to break because the fact of the matter is this economy cannot subsist for any length of time on 4 or 5% interest rates. And if history is any indication, when something does break, the central bank will go right back to rate cuts and quantitative easing to rescue the economy. Inflation be damned. And we're already hearing hints of this when they're talking about going back to quantitative easing to rescue the bond market. And, you know, that's really the crux of the matter in my mind. Inflation 
isn't a flaw in the system. It's a feature. They have to keep creating money to maintain the government borrowing and spending. They have to keep interest rates artificially low to stimulate the economy, to help the consumer, because we got to buy, buy, buy. And while they can run this road for a long time, there is an end to the road. You know, it's like the drug addict. He needs more and more of the drug. You develop a resistance. You got to have more drug. And if you take the drug away, the drug addict goes into withdrawal. You either have to let him get through that withdrawal, suffer the pain of withdrawal, or you just give him more drugs to ease the immediate suffering. The Fed here is the pusher, and it's more than happy to keep supplying the drug to keep our addict happy and content. Now, it'll take the drug away for a little while, you know, when it gets really, really bad, you know, when when the guy's stumbling around in the gutter and, uh, uh, peeing on people's lawns. Yeah, they'll take the drug away, kind of get them cleaned up a little bit, but they're not going to take it away for long term. They want the addict, the economy, to be happy and content. But you know, at some point, the junkie overdoses and dies. That's the long-term trajectory that I'm looking at here. Anyway, in the more immediate future, a soft pivot sets the stage for a hard pivot on monetary policy, which I think will happen as soon as whatever it is that's breaking in the economy becomes obvious. Now, keep in mind, they're going to tell you, hey, we've got this inflation problem under control. They'll spin the data. They'll justify reversing course. They'll talk about progress, all of this stuff. They're good at talking, right? Or, heck, maybe they'll just move the goalposts. There was a Financial Times article that came out this week that our Keynesian hero, Paul Krugman, enthusiastically tweeted. The headline was, It's time to revisit the 2% inflation target. The right goal for central banks and advanced economies such as the U.S. might be 3% a year. I mean, why not? If they can't get it back down to 2%, just make the target 3% and call it a win. Hell, why not 4%? You know, there's one thing that central bankers are good at. It's spinning and word games. They are masters at open mouth operations. They may not be so good at actual monetary policy, but they're damn good at talking. But again, watch what they do. Yes, they are going to hike rates by 50 basis points at the next meeting in all likelihood. But it would not shock me if they didn't hike again after that. Now we'll see. It will really depend on how long they can hide the economic rot. If something doesn't break between the December meeting and the next one, the the first meeting in 2023, maybe they will hike again. They're going to keep trying to push the envelope until it becomes obvious that they can't do it anymore. But at some point, this whole house of cards is going to fall down. They're going to go back to what they do best, creating money out of thin air, propping up government borrowing and spending, devaluing your currency, basically making a mess out of the economy. So the question is, what do you do? I honestly think there is some buying opportunity left in precious metals. You know, we're, we're still at 1800 That's It's pushed up. We've, we've gained about 150 bucks in the last couple of weeks. But I still think there's some buying opportunity out there. Is that the right move for you? I don't know. But if you want to talk to somebody about it, talk to a Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialist. Call 1-888-GOLD-160 or 
email them, info at shiftgold.com, or you can go to the shiftgold.com website, go to the Getting Started tab, and you can chat with a precious metal specialist right there online. They're going to look at your investment goals and help you figure out if precious metals fits into your portfolio and into your investment strategy and what the best products might be and, and, and just how to go about it. So I highly encourage you, if you've ever thought about investing in precious metals, uh, or if, even if you're a seasoned investor in precious metals, give them a call today. Uh, now is the time. And with that, it's a gold wrap for this week. Now, as always, you can get more details on all of the stories that I've talked about and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap Podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Stitcher. Uh, all of those things. We're on YouTube. Links to those things plus our social media accounts over on the show notes page at shiftgold.com news. If you want to email me, you're welcome to do that. M Meharry, M-M-A-H-A-R-R-E-Y at shipgold.com. Love to hear from folks. I hope you had a good week. I hope you've gotten over your turkey hangover. And I hope you have a great weekend. I'll talk to you all next Friday.